Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. And coming up next, Sid Moifer of the Draper Network, Irina Litchfield of Perceval, Alan Gorin of Draper Gorin Home, Nikita Sanjo of MetaChange Capital, and Mark Mullen of Bonfire Ventures, and Ben Lakoff of Charged Particles, shedding some light on just how venture capitals really approach crypto and blockchain projects. Let's see what they have to say. Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here today and uh, to be moderating this panel. Uh, my name is Sid Mokia. I'm the director of the Draper Venture Network for an alliance of venture firms around the world. And I'm pleased to have joining us today Mark, Ben, Alon, Irina, and Nicola, who are very accomplished investors in the crypto space, uh, uh, very much in the opposite of me, who knows very little. So I'll be asking the questions and they'll be the experts giving the answers. So I'm really excited to um, be part of this conversation and to learn more. Um, so what we'll do is we'll do some introductions around the room. What I'll ask each of you guys is to say who you are, what you care about, and one thing that people wouldn't know by Googling you. And then we'll jump into the conversation. So I'll start with, uh, my screen says Mark. So start with Mark. Hey everyone, uh, this is great, great crew. Um, it's so exciting to be even part of the conversation. And Sid, as you mentioned, um, yeah, maybe there's some experts on here, but uh, it is moving so fast as we all would agree that uh, it's pretty hard to remain an expert without you know, spending all of your time on crypt Cryptolandia. Um, uh, I uh, run Bonfire Ventures. Uh, we're now raising our sixth and seventh funds. Um, we have always only focused on B2B software and we consider blockchain to be software essentially in some ways. And um, uh, we uh, have been investing here primarily in Southern California, but have branched out quite dramatically over the last couple of years, primarily you know, uh, affected by COVID in a good way. Um, prior to that, I was an investment banker for 20 years. And I spent uh, living time living in Paris, London, and New York. Um, and uh, you wouldn't find on Google that I have worked on deals in 30 different countries. So I've really had a good chance to meet and greet and hang out with and work for and learn from an incredible number of different entrepreneurs, uh, not only in terms of the businesses they focused on, uh, but really where they lived and from different countries, which has different, uh, different things that go with it. And as you know, um, crypto is borderless, and that's uh, that's informed some of the thinking that I have around this this area. Awesome! Thanks so much, ben, uh, Mark. Um, ben, you go next. Hey guys, Ben Lakoff here, uh, calling in from New York Public Wi-Fi. So apologies if it's a little in and out. Um, my background is in finance. Uh, jumped into the entre more entrepreneurial blockchain space full-time in 2017. Co-founder and business lead at Charge Particles, uh, but I'm also a very active angel. Just done over 50 angel investments over the past couple years. And um, so I have the unique viewpoint of being both from the operator role, raising capital, advising a number of uh, startups in the space, early stage founders raising capital, as well as the investor in a lot of these deals. For me, uh, you probably wouldn't find um, on Google. Well, it depends. You can probably find most things these days. Um, I'm fluent in three languages and avid traveler. So I'll stick with uh, Mark on the travel thing. I've been to over 80 countries and still love traveling around. So happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ben. Alon. Oh, you're going around in a circle. I was I was expecting to be last, and then I was hoping I could come up with something more exciting. But uh, hi, guys. Uh, Alon Gorin. I'm one of the founders of Draper Gorin Home. Um, we we love being the first check into early stage uh, blockchain startups. So extremely early, um, and uh, have been in the space for a while, um, and 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 love it. 
Um, we, you know, Mark, Mark joked that you have to be kind of without being full time in crypto land. You, it's, it's impossible to know what was going on, but I am full time. And I feel like every day I, I discover shit. And I'm like, how did I not know this was going on? So it's uh, I think that's that's a sign that the space has kind of become ubiquitous and, and we've arrived in a way. Right. You can't can't catch everything. So ha happy to be here. Oh, uh you know, one of those, I guess the, the, the weirdest thing about me that most people don't know or discover is that as a teenager in, in my early 20s, uh, which, you know, was over 15 years ago now, I was in a bunch of punk bands and my first business was a punk record label. So uh, you find some of those videos and pictures are pre-iPhone, pre thankfully, so not too many to float around. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty weird that you were a teenager in your 20s. That's also weird. But anyway. <laughs> uh, in my late teens and early 20s. But, uh, anybody. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Arena Net. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Uh, I was so looking forward to going to Los Angeles and doing this in person. But you know we're well trained, and I believe that it's 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 still productive, and it's just such a pleasure to see everybody. Uh, my name is Irina Litchfield. I'm a partner at Percival Capital, and uh, I'm, I care about bettering the world. And uh, I've been in crypto industry for now eight years, and. Uh, um, one thing that you couldn't know about me by Googling me is that I have several, I am an artist and I created several paintings. One of them behind me, uh, several collections of paintings, my apologies, but you know, I've never sold them or anything like that. That's awesome. And that's a beautiful painting right there. Thank you, Irina and uh, Nicola. Hello, my name is Nikola Stoyanov. I am the managing partner of MetaChange Capital, which is very similar to uh, Draper Gorham Home. We like to invest early into startups. We definitely enjoy the venture studio approach. Um, I am the previous co-founder of Eternity Blockchain, so I would say that we know our fair share of the technological aspect when, when it comes to scaling, ecosystems, accelerators, and everything around that. Uh, we're currently focusing on working with the European Investment Fund in order to set up the first Eastern European Fund to focus on blockchain technologies. Besides that, I'm a partner in a uh, fund that focuses on early stage startups in Bulgaria and Eastern Europe again. Uh, what you would know about me is that I used to train lots of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Because of what Mark mentioned, it's an out and I haven't been able to focus too much on that, but I'm picking that up again. And that would be me. Awesome. Thank you, Nicola. We've got so many hardcore people here, you know, uh, languages and martial arts and art. This is awesome. Um, so I'm really curious uh, for you as an investor about that first moment when everything changed for you. And I'd really love to hear that story. Where were you? What were you doing? Who were you with when you were like, oh, this is a real thing and I'm going to be investing in this. Um, and we'll go in the same order. I, I really do want to hear those stories. Um, I'm very curious about it. I'm free that moment. Um, so I really want to know what was that moment for you? Start with Mark. I think you're muted, Mark. Per my instruction, sorry. Uh, just to be in this environment, I've been pretty lucky. Um, frankly, uh, I think it's a, a funny but good story. Uh, Fred Wilson's a good friend of mine, and you know he's always been early crypto. And uh, I used to make fun of him, you know, my bad, right? Um, and uh, he and I actually, he, I won a golf bet playing him. And as a joke, and just to get back at me, he, th I thought it was a joke. He didn't think it was a joke. He goes. I'm going to pay you in Bitcoin. And in order to get paid, you need to open up a Coinbase account. And this is back in 2014. And I was remember going, that's such BS, Fred. Like, just pay me the money you owe me. Like, why do I have to go through this whole hassle? Uh, and 
And so I did. And I opened this Coinbase account. You have to connect your account, as you know. And so the next, the rest was history. I didn't go crazy then. I was still kind of making fun of him and it. Um, and, but that was my first real introduction to, to getting involved in, in buying some, some tokens. My next lucky break, which informs a lot of what we're doing in, in the investment side, is um, uh, I'm uh, have invested with before and worked together before with the founders of Figment.io, if you know the, the staking platform, the Web3.0 development platform. In 2017, uh, Lorian, the founder, and I were talking about starting a fund to look into some crypto stuff. And we, in putting that fund together, he and his team uh, started to put the fund together, started looking at some investments, and decided it'd be better and more of an opportunistic um, way to take advantage of it to actually start a company, which became Figment. And that was when, you know, my own ability to, to talk to those founders and kind of talk about, way, even though even 2017 doesn't seem like a long time ago, it is in, in, in Cryptolandia. And just really talking about um, what they perceived as the future for infrastructure and why blockchain um, and the decentralization and all the buzzwords I could throw together here are really going to be the future. And um, and having said that, so we invested with them. You know, I led their first two rounds and I'm on the board of Figment. And, you know, they've luckily grown up dramatically and uh, and are really in the heart of all what's happening. And um, but I would say that really about a year ago, I drank the Kool-Aid from the perspective of in talking to my 14-year-old son, explaining to him what he was about to witness, which I felt was the complete transformation and change of, I was only focused on one area at that point, the complete transformation of the world's current financial system. And that it is going to be completely transformed by what we are starting to witness at this time. And so once you make statements like that to yourself or you hear yourself say that, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you dive, then you just, you literally, as many of you probably have gone, you go over the edge. And since then, we have been really just focused and, and really have a personal belief in that that's, uh, that's you know, informing some of our investments. That's awesome. So 2017, you started investing. How many years was it before, between the golf incident and you investing? Uh, well, the golf incident was at the end of 2014, in 2015. So it was a couple of years. And we have not made a lot of investments because we're, you know, we only make eight to 10 investments a year and we still do more traditional SaaS software type stuff. But we've been really looking deep into, to, um, you know, how we, we consider ourselves picks and shovels investors. You know, what's behind, um, what's behind building the blockchain, the, the tokens, uh, all the type of activities that's happening in the market. More so than us being on the front end, we don't do consumer facing, we're not investing specifically in tokens. Um, particularly just behind and being in the picks and shovels of the, of the industry. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those stories. I like the three different um, stories and how they were kind of getting you deeper and deeper into. Yeah. And then you go over the edge. <laughs> no, no turning back now. Yep. Uh, ben, what's, what's your story? Yeah. So like many, the first time I heard it was from my sister in probably 2014, 2015. And uh, I was working at JP Morgan at the time. And I told her to stop playing around with uh, internet money and buy the S&P 500 index fund like a normal person. So uh, she never lets me live that one down, obviously, for doing what I do now. Um, but the time I really started taking it more seriously was late 2016. And it was a developer friend of mine that bought some Ethereum. And he was talking about this as a way of something to try around and play this new internet computer. You know, he, he explained it in this like uh, nerd speak way that didn't make any sense for me. Uh, but he said it went up like 20% in a week. And I was like, well, I don't know, here's, you know, buy me some as well. And then it like went up. And so I started paying attention to it. And it was around the same time, one of my first angel investments was in a uh, crypto exchange as well. So this was early 2017. And um, yeah, the, get a little bit more in, in the space, the more you have financially invested um, at that time. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, it's interesting that it's, 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 it seems to be a person close to you, at least in both your stories, that made you trust that there's something there, even though it seemed silly at the time, right? May, may, Long, may, I, may, may I ask a question, Sid, just to 
interact a little bit with yes sorry and and i'm asking ben because you work for jp morgan you work for more clearly a more traditional financial player who still thinks jamie diamond that bitcoin is bullshit um and so i was trained in finance as i mentioned i was an investment banker for many years i bought the s you know that's what i did bought s p's and stuff and do you feel the way i felt or feel now that the the transformation of the financial world, the industry itself is going to be changing, is, is just being changed out from under our feet. 100%. Yeah. And that was the thing. That was the start of it. And, you know, Chris Dixon always says, like, the, the next big thing sounds like a toy. It does, right? It's a silly nerd thing that is people are doing on the weekends or whatever. Um, but no, I, I have my CFA. I'm very much an asset allocator thinking about these things. So it, it, at first, it was more of like, this potentially uncorrelated alpha or, or asset that adds a, a lot to your portfolio in terms of portfolio construction, but like it, it's not just that, it's this whole new thing. Um, and you know, there's a reason why people say you're down the rabbit hole. It's like every little aspect under this, you, you say crypto these days, well, there's a semantics issue, right? And this is all of us with our diverse backgrounds and interests all can find a home within this space. And that's why investing in this space is so interesting. You come from whatever the background you have, you can probably find the web free version of that and be able to uh, apply your specific knowledge to that little niche and do really well. Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. And, and I'd love for us to double click on a little bit later on what are those different areas of investment in, in the, the big huge crypto world but alan let's let's hear your story yeah you know i think that that i met i met some of you um sid and mark back in the day probably uh i don't know maybe close to 10 years ago when i was starting a crowdfunding business um and uh actually two 2012, I think, is when I quit my day job at, at Amazon uh, to, to start what a social fundraising business. The word crowdfunding didn't exist yet. And we, we wanted to essentially do what people were doing in the crowd sale style fundraising they're doing these days in crypto on the Internet back then. But being idealistic young techies that didn't know securities laws, we had no idea um, at least at the early, early stages, maybe when we still had our day jobs that we were breaking securities laws. And so we went into it kind of pissed off that like the regulators said we couldn't raise money on MySpace. Um, my partner and I both uh, met each other working at MySpace. And so we we're like, you should be able to raise money on the internet the same way you sell tractors on Farmville. And and it just, um, you know, uh, smart lawyers uh, and friends of ours stopped us from doing that in the way we wanted to. But we met lots of very interesting and amazing people along the way. We provided the technology. And one of those people was uh, Adam Draper, uh, Tim Draper's son. And he launched a thing called Boost Funder. So he wanted to, to help people raise money on the Internet. Very quickly, he shifted focus and did a thing called Boost VC. And so in tandem, while we were building crowdfunding platforms and learning about payments technology and companies like Stripe were, were not even launched yet, um, uh, we, we heard about Bitcoin from Adam and from other people. And at the time, the word blockchain wasn't being used. People were talking about launching Bitcoin companies. Coinbase was a Bitcoin company. Uh, all of these companies in the Boost Accelerator were Bitcoin companies. We'd meet them, talk to them, and, and, and we decided to mine Bitcoin in our office, thinking maybe that's the solution to micropayments on the internet so we wouldn't have to pay the visa rails. And almost immediately, aside from getting yelled at by our landlord and causing all sorts of trouble, um, uh, we realized, oh, it's not ready for mainstream. And we set it aside. And I never thought of it as an investment opportunity at that point. Uh, I literally was like, this is a thing that can change the developing world. It can change the world in all sorts of ways. But I didn't think of it as an American, like it was better than our current system or different than our current system. I just went, we already have digital money. I never go into the bank. Like I get paid. It goes into my, my bank. I use a card, whatever. So to me, it was like this thing that was going to change the rest of the world, but it wasn't an investment opportunity. And then 
sometime around 2016 or so, we shifted focus with our conference. We rebranded our conference, which was called Crowd Invest Summit to Crypto Invest Summit, because at that point, we had gone down the rabbit hole. I had told enough people that Bitcoin was going to change the world and watched its price go up enough to go, shit, I should be participating in this from an investment standpoint. I should be investing in my friends' companies that are being built in this space. And I got lucky in that, you know, Sid, uh, I'll give some credit to the Draper Venture Network. I was a CEO in that network because uh, the Draper funds had invested in my company. Then for the first time ever, I became a, uh, a venture partner at Wavemaker. Um, and I'm still very close friends with Eric Manlunas, and, and I love that man. And I got to participate in Draper Venture Network events from the side of the investor. And I realized how much value it added for us. And when I, uh, you know, decided to go sort of all in on crypto, uh, one of the first people I called was you and Gabe at the time and Tim, and they 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 uh, asked me to join the network. So we're super super fortunate to be here there. But but the crypto part came from the side of being so fed up with regulation from the crowdfunding space and finally finding something that would work at least internationally and 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 still being worked out, but. <laughs> Awesome, and thank you for the shout out. We're, we're so pleased to have you. Um, Irina, I'd love to hear your story. Alan, I love your story. By the way, I, I did come to one of your first, uh, when you rebranded, uh, I flew, I believe you brought Artichure, uh, James Artichure, and he was giving away free tickets. So, and uh, doing lottery thing, and I thought, yeah. you know, time to go to LA, and it was really great. Um, that was a really great event. I really appreciated that. Uh, I remember Rock on the stage saying, just buy a little bit of crypto, the smallest amount you can. You know I should have mentioned the first time Brock actually was on stage, it was still a crowdfunding conference and he filled Ad, um, Tim Draper's shoes. Tim got sick. He called me that morning and he's like, I'm calling my daughter. I'm calling my friend Brock. One of them will take my spot as the keynote. And Brock came on stage and took, took his spot and was pointing at his shoes and his shoes had a QR code on them and they were like registered on the blockchain or something. This is yeah. 2016. Yeah. And um, everyone thought he was absolutely uh, insane, of course, um, including every everyone, including me. I thought it was cool. Like it was like, wow, that's kind of neat. But what the hell is he talking about? Like it made no sense to almost any of us. And we were already into Bitcoin. Like I was into Bitcoin, but, but the fact that he was talking about shoes on the blockchain cut to today, it, that that's a thing now, you know. Yeah. Like, There's that are doing that, right? They're that are putting shoes on a blockchain. Yeah. And, and Rena, before I'm sorry, Alan, I was at that conference as well, the one in 2016. I was down at the LA Convention Center, and it, yeah. uh, let me draw a parallel, which is the convention center is terrible. It's gray and old and dark, and y your stage was brown, and the chairs were brown and green. It, it was. It was. And I was there because I, you had me speak on a panel as well. So I was backstage when Brock was there and I've known Brock for a long time. And I thought he was crazy too up there. And it just, it was just early, right? It just wasn't, yeah. you're just like, look at all these jokers. What are we, what are we, what's everybody doing here? Now, Trent, you know, um, counter that to, for example, the Miami crypto conference back in, in June. If you went to that, you're like, oh my God, like the, 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 just the facilities, the talent, yeah. the excitement, the people there, how quickly it changed in that five-year period from almost being uh, second thought and illegitimate in some ways to yeah. obviously the other side. So, sorry, I just want to point I, that out. I, I like to say we used to be the crazy people that talk about the strange Well, we still are. We can still be that, right? <laughs> A little, but, you know, now we're kind of cool crazy people, not just not, not, not off to the side. I have no idea what you're talking about. Kind of like, okay, I don't understand, but keep on talking. <laughs> you know, it's all right. We want to, depending bear market or the, you know, the bull market. It all yeah, I want to, I want to ask, <laughs> want to ask about that, and and maybe Nicola, I want to hear your story, and then maybe we'll segue into this. Um, a lot of people make the um, and. The comparison with the internet, the rise of the internet, you know, early 90s through to the 2000s. Um, and I'd love to get your views on where we are with crypto. You know, are we in 1995? Are we in 
you know, 2000, just before the crash or, you know, like where we are. But let's let's hear, Nicola, your your story and then maybe give your thoughts first and then let the others, the others chime in. But I'm, I'm happy to pick up on the second point too. My, my story is a little bit different than the others because I came from not hardcore banking, but the pharmaceutical industry. So as I was developing markets in uh, MENA, Asia and Pacific uh, before I got absolutely fed up with corporate and realized that I wouldn't be able to tolerate that for the next 40, 50 years. Uh, then I became an entrepreneur, like you know, pretty much every European young person with a little bit of money and a couple of dreams. I went to Berlin, uh, <laughs> got lost in Berlin for a couple of years, did a couple of startups there, which surprisingly developed quite well. But in the meantime, I had this friend that I've known since childhood, like both of us were Bulgarian born but we emigrated into Germany after socialism ended in the early 90s. And, you know, so we, we have known each other for quite some time. And he was always sleeping on my couch when I was traveling and working because I was, you know, stationed in Belgrade, I was stationed in Moscow, I was stationed in Hong Kong and so on and so on. And that guy always came, came out of nowhere, uh, slept on my couch for a couple of days, went to some weird conference, spoke there and then moved to the next thing. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I code and I'm working on like with colored coins and you know, like me and my homie Vitalik are right now discussing updatable algorithms. And this is pre-Ethereum, by the way. Um, <clears throat> he was like, Let, let's do a mining facility in Belgrade, outside of Belgrade, because we had access to incredibly cheap uh, facilities and mining uh, and electricity. And out of this, that was exactly at that moment when Bitcoin went, I think, up to 700 or something like this. And then it crashed. And at that time, we're like, yeah, no, there's no way we're going to do this. Forget it. Now, fast forward a couple of years, uh, like a little bit later, I was in Berlin. I was, I had scaled my last MedTech startup. And again, this guy pops up and he's like, hey, by the way, we have to meet for a beer. Uh, we met up. He uh, reminded me that he sent me a couple of years earlier to this, my first Bitcoin, which I still do hold very dearly on an old phone. Um, but, and he started telling me how, you know, Ethereum would run into issues with scalability and how he had thought of something new and something more scalable. And that was kind of the beginning of Eternity. And we scaled Eternity quickly. Uh, one thing that I realized at that time was that if you build a layer one blockchain, you're going to run into some big issues, which are, you need somebody to use that technology. You know, like with Bitcoin, we had adoption through a very, very different level because, you know, a lot of people were mining it. It was the first one and, you know, like people got interested in it because they used it as an alternative to money for whatever kind of, kind of different reasons. But the second and third generation of blockchains, like you needed a hardcore community. Uh, Ethereum succeeded with this, but there's also a lot of projects that did not succeed. So I focus on the ecosystem part and, you know, we build an accelerator program that we run on four continents. We went through 4,000 startups, I think, between 2017 and 2019 and ended up investing into, I think, roughly 28, of which still about 20 are alive and doing quite well, which I'm very happy about. And out of this idea, then it grew larger and larger. Why only invest into one ecosystem? Why only focus on early stage startups that are like really, really uh, idea stage? Why not move this a little bit towards proper VC models? Why not go agnostic? Why not build Europe as an alternative to the US? So you would have like multiple pillars of funding, technology, ideas, networks, and ecosystems in general, where you would still be able to push everything out rather than just have one place where everybody goes to. Um, and out of this kind of, it morphed through different levels and that's how I got into, uh, I think, doing roughly 30, 40 angel investments, either together with my partners or by myself, and um, just moved into this direction. But the biggest issue that we found was that still the majority of European investors were not ready for something like this. So, you know, like family officers, institutional investors, uh, anybody was, was still not there yet. So we set on to find the proper people and to push us through on a European level, which is how we finally got to where we are right now. I'm very, very proud that it only took two years to get this actually up and running. Um, so this would be kind of my 
story how this happened. And in the meantime, I've met Arena, I think in 2017 or something, we crossed past the first time. Uh, Alan, I, I haven't met you yet, but uh, Joseph is a good friend of mine and we've grown to do a lot of things together. And it's been amazing actually. And I'm very, very happy that I've become part of like this, this US, European, Middle Eastern, Asian kind of global network right now. And I'm also very excited to meet the rest of you, Sid, Mark, and Benner, hopefully as soon as possible. Um, to answer your question, the second one, when it comes to where we're at right now, uh, straight up, I think, Ben, you mentioned us in the beginning that, you know, that there's so many things that are happening which are just blowing you away on a daily basis. This is still going to continue happening. We haven't even touched any kind of uh, universal earn kind of income things. We haven't touched play to earn yet. We haven't touched really... Uh, digitalizing or putting real world things, like if it is a phone, if it's shoes from Brock back in the days. I mean, he has been living ahead of everybody else anyways for a long time, but I believe that this is not even 1999 yet. We're still, DeFi is picking up right now. Uh, Creamium has been hacked, what, four times now? Or in Sforks? And all those things that are happening right now are just giving us opportunity to learn more to implement better and then hopefully to pave the way uh, for the future in a better way that it will allow us to do not the mistakes that we're doing right now in the more concrete way and that will allow us to not over-regulate hopefully but build really get blockchain to become like this web 3.0 this establishment not to drop the you know like all the bad parts that it has and to show people in the majority of the world what an impact the technology actually has so for me 1997, 1998, but still not 1999. Yeah, so we're we're at uh, 56k dial-up and very pixelated. Roughly, you, you remember the sounds, right? You know, like the dial-up yeah, sounds. Yeah. That, that's kind of where we're at right now. Interesting. Any other thoughts from um, the rest of the, the crew? We pretty much agree that's where we are. Yeah, extreme, extremely early, I think, you know, uh, if you're using ICQ, you still have your uh, username <laughs> number memorized, right? Like uh, that, that early. I actually have forgotten mine. I don't know if you remember yours, but uh, a couple of months ago, we had oh. a discussion with one of my partners and I couldn't remember my ICQ number. ICQ was a big uh, kind of personal thing for me, too, because I, I threw a family member, knew the founders and... Um, I was still in junior high at the time, I think it was, but I had an early number. It was like 104025, which was number <laughs> early. Yeah. That, but that's how ingrained in my mind that is, like how, how early that is. Um, yeah, when you have one number, one number to remember, right? Yeah. Cool. So, so I want to... Well, I want to add, so like for people listening, yes, it is early, like overall in this space, but... Um, that's that's also like saying you know nfts are going to be the next big thing that doesn't mean that everything will go up because we're so early yeah. like there's certain things within the space because it is so broad that are extremely dot-com era like way crazy overvalued sort of madness but like as a whole the space is incredibly crazy early so just want to throw that caveat in there in case people yeah. hear it and they think oh i should just buy anything because it's so early it's all going to go up right yeah yeah, yeah. I, so i i think when we talk about timing yeah this I, was no financial advice <laughs> every single time since i've been in the industry i hear two things we're too early too late bull run you know Bull run, I'm too late. Every bull, every bull run, it's been, I'm too late, I'm too late. Oh, it, I already passed opportunity. Bear market is going to explode. It's going to zero. You know, I don't want to touch it. So it's it's just fun. To me, what's interesting about our industry, our blockchain industry, is that we have this calculated cycles. And, you know, the, the every single time we churn through that four years, the more repetitive it becomes. And it's fascinating. It's to me, it's just its own, its own beast. And it just keeps on bringing amazing innovation, you know, amazing cycles and keeps surprising us every single time. I have no idea what's coming next. And I don't think any of us can know what's going to come after next happening. Do um, you mind explaining that four-year cycle um, for folks that are not familiar with the industry and what 
what drives that cycle? Well, do anybody wants to jump in or you guys want me to take Go it? Go ahead. It's Habaning is an event uh, that is designed into a white paper. It basically uh, makes it uh, much more expensive to mine uh, for the for the data. And so therefore it's it's natural built-in inflation, but really it's a deflation because it increases the value of Bitcoin. And so everything in the crypto industry works based on, uh, uh, on Bitcoin happening. Now, one day there are hypotheses that there's going to be a separation and decoupling from a performance of Bitcoin. And uh, uh, eventually, an industry of blockchain will have their its own uh, its own cycles and valuations. But for now, everything is uh, is coupled to it on the back end analysis. If anybody disagrees, please do. But uh, overall, a big picture, basically, that's where you are. So if yeah. if you're new, learn about happening. This is the first step to understanding the cycles and then just follow rabbit hole from there. And remember, buy some Bitcoin. It's not an investment. It's just a learning tool. You can go to Coinbase, buy a hundred bucks instead of going to whatever dinner and then just watch and learn. Great. Uh, I wanted not to ask an Yeah, Sid, I wanted to ask an ad if anybody wanted to... Back to the, the where are we in the in the timing of everything? Yeah, you know, Netscape was started in 1990, and uh, so let's call it 30 years to get to where we are today. The internet, essentially, the consumable internet, the um, uh, you know layer one, essentially. And um, what I would what I would say that we're very early, like everybody says, you know, let's call it the the 90s between 90 and 94 when Nets, Net, uh, Netscape went public. But I believe that if you were to try to copy that, that this will happen in a faster time frame than 30 years. The acceleration, the technology available, the fact that everybody in the world can be a developer, um, can develop on top of these things, on these networks. Uh, open source software wasn't around in 1990. All these um, elements that should accelerate to the point where we won't look back from 30, 30 years from now and say, yeah, we're, we're all, you know, blockchains everywhere. It's going to be in a much faster um, uh, way. And the other thing is, I think that the talent out there, let's call it the engineering talent that's being produced and is currently, you know, currently working, there's a lot of movement towards this, this space. And um, I think that's going to accelerate the, the, the transformation and it will have ups and downs. It will have its 1990 seven moment it's 19 it's 00 moment it's 2007 moment and it will have its 2021 moment i mean there's going to be ups and downs but i think it's it's here to say yeah i think every cycle is is way way faster because i can remember going to a uh going to a post office to buy a cashier's check to send in the mail to buy something on ebay pre-paypal right and then paypal and then amazon selling books and all these things and 10 years ago when i quit day job to do that crowdfunding business um, at that time, I, I worked at Amazon and Amazon video on demand was a thing that was just getting started and people were, uh, filmmakers were pissed off that their films would be downloaded on the internet because the quality, like I'm, I'm an artist and I can't have a pixelated version of this beautiful art I just made on the internet. So, and, and today my kids, like literally my kids said, wait, when I was a baby, you still use DVDs? Like, like, like they, didn't, they didn't even think it was something we used in their lifetime, right? So if you think about how fast we went from selling books on the internet, selling other things on the internet, now everything is consumed on the internet, including you know, media. It's, it's, it's pretty insane how fast that works. And it's, it's happening in, in this space as well. And it's gonna happen faster and globally. You know, Lunar Crush, one of our portfolio companies launched this week. And for somebody in India to earn lunar tokens by participating in their economy has the same exact level playing field as an American. So they're earning lunar tokens that compared to their lifestyles are probably much more valuable than, than the folks in the United States. So the, the whole world will catch up faster too, I think. That's, I think that's a beautiful moment we're in right now. Do I need to be writing down lunar tokens somewhere? 
not not <laughs> investment <laughs> advice. I, when I talk about stacking lunar stacking lunar tokens, uh, which by the way I say stacking loonies, um, and, and that's a whole story in itself. Um, I, I talk about earning them on Lunar Crush, not buying them on an exchange or anything. That'll clarify. But um, you know, I'm an investor, full disclosure. Right, and nothing we say here is investment advice. Um, but having said that, um, if somebody is new and they're looking to get a lay of the land, you know, Irina, you mentioned go buy a hundred bucks of Bitcoin on Coinbase and and learn. What are some of the other areas that people can be looking at to learn or even to just start investing because it's happening? Um, and I'll, I'll open this out to the floor. Anybody who kind of has some advice there. I think I think it's it's really like people shouldn't just start investing without having any knowledge of the market. So you should go ahead and do your homework. Actually, you should understand at least a little bit about the technology. Irina's suggestion was great, but. Um, if you want to just invest into shit coins, excuse my French, then I think there's enough platforms where something like this is possible where you can throw a uh, hundred bucks at something and then, you know, at a hundred bucks at a hundred projects and then pray that something happens. Uh, this is not what we're doing. Like It's about really finding like the proper gems, like the raw diamonds, and then build them together with the team into like a file functioning project. And this is not easily done by anybody. So a lot of knowledge and experience has to go into this. But I believe that early people should stick to the basics, should, should buy a little bit like Irina, you mentioned very, very nicely actually, but still not jump into too much stuff because rug pulls, uh, any kind of other things that are happening, just bad projects, scams and so on. Are so well set up in today's time that a lot of people are falling for them and those pitfalls are out there. And I mean, like Telegram handles, Telegram groups, I've seen entire Telegram groups with the same amount of users being copy pasted. And then, you know, like a address is being released before the sale was there and it's gone. It's it's about like like it's like like you're talking about. It's about knowledge. Uh, 2017, people would be making investments based on how many people are in a Telegram group, and I would tell them, I yeah. said, you do realize that you could go on Fiverr and buy thousands of people for a Telegram group. Like what what? How is that a good investment? It's not expensive. <laughs> also, right? It's, it's like it's freaking Fiverr. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous, and um, I, I remember knowing that because I, when I was in the crowdfunding world, people were talking about that person has a lot of Twitter followers, so their campaign's going to be successful. And I'd say that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And I went to a friend actually, and I went on Fiverr and for ten dollars bought him like ten thousand Twitter followers. And he woke up the next morning, he's like, "Where did all these followers come from?" And I explained to them how easy it is to manipulate, uh, but. But that's why I think, you know, you're absolutely right with the experience and time and buying a little and participating and people who, you know, when you're buying a token and when if you think about it as representation of ownership or participation in a startup, you're essentially buying a like, like a public stock of a startup. And a startup is the most volatile thing in the world because even the best startups in the world have gone through many cycles where they thought they might be going out of business or there's two months until they're running out of runway and, and, and they get saved by an investment or a deal or something. And that happens multiple times in a startup's lifespan. And that's why it's never been great for a startup to be a public company. But now in, in crypto, we're learning that. And, and only super experienced people like like maybe Mark on this panel has been an early stage investor for 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 the longest of, of all of us understands that and why you know you can't I can't just decide I'm I'm an early stage venture capitalist and be good at it the first day I, I come in um, uh, you know the same way I suck at trading crypto and I recognize that myself so I invest in companies long term but people need need to learn that and understand that and and not follow things because there's twitter followers or there's disc followers maybe fall if you're going to follow follow people with with great experience in the space right you don't just um learn these lessons overnight and we're all learning it in the crypto space i won't pretend like uh, i'm the greatest in the world at some of these judgments too but you know i that's why i focus on team people who are experienced um 
people who I don't love the full anonymous team, like the pseudo anonymous stuff. I still need to meet the people, know they're real and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm different than some, but I will get goofy on NFTs and, and all these things, but you still want to know the people are real, still do the research and spend some, some time. I know a lot more today than in 2017. So. So in much the same way we talked about origin stories, I'd like to hear some war stories, you know, things that went bad that you learned from um, as a cautionary tale to others. Uh, what are some of the experiences that you've had? In terminal, oh my goodness. So did that, did that boo-boo hurt? <laughs> I, I, so blockchain terminal for people. Yeah, if you Google that, um, I, I, I I'm not, wasn't an investor in it. I wasn't affiliated with it. I think they may have been um, uh, maybe an, a sponsor at one of our early conferences. But if you look into that, that's a I mentioned being pseudo anonymous or anonymous. That was one where the founder just changed their name, because if you've looked up his original name, you would have seen that they had been in trouble for securities fraud in the past. Right. So that's that's one of the, that's a lesson in you know one of the the, right. the lessons in maybe fraud. Too, it was that you know that that person recruited the the he ended up being scammer like the the fake people identity all of that and he recruited really serious people be, behind him and the whole industry it, it was really. It was really amazing. It really goes back to the point to where you have to do so much due diligence and you have to see that people have been in the industry for a while. And, you know, it, it's not the size. It's, it's just the matter that even if you have expertise, you did a good, we, we invested just a little bit, you know, just, just a little bit, but that one hurts, you know. Is, is that though a lesson? That's, that's a lesson in one person did a scam, I think, to find out that person because some of their co-founders were very real. I don't know if most people would have, could have figured that out in their due right. diligence. Is that more a lesson in diversification and not putting all your eggs in one basket, maybe? Yeah. Because right. I think that, right. then, that could happen anyway. We spread the seeds, you know, do our best, do due diligence, and then spread. I, I think a great way if you're in, if you are an accredited investor and you don't know the industry, find a hedge fund that does a great performance and, and that, you know, spends their time in due diligence and actually invest in, you know, find a thesis that you kind of like works for you and invest in that way. Or to me, it's kind of more like a go to casino and gamble, you know, um, throw, throw some seeds around. If you're, if, if you have some disposable income, you know, that's also a fun thing to do. Some people can take a hundred thousand and just, go have fun you know so i think that's a fun way uh to look at it not 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 as a investment i have to make the life decision you know but kind of like okay well excuse my language it looks like it's pumping and people are excited about it let me just you know spread it all over and see see where the roulette hits and all of that so again not an only if you can if you if you go to vegas and you gamble for a hundred thousand dollars go and do that that's a lot of fun too uh, i've had a couple of friends that participated in that way and actually worked out very well as a strategy i mean i will say that i the two pieces of financial advice i've explicitly given family members over the last year have been the worst financial advice i've given because uh, when when bitcoin was at around 35 4000 bucks um i told uh, one family member not absolutely do not buy bitcoin on a credit card you're crazy and then uh the other thing i told uh uh that person and a couple other people is don't buy Dogecoin. This happens every six months or so. It's bullshit. Don't Dogecoin pay attention and, and look at where they are today. So maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I still think a more um, disciplined approach, and I'm a very undisciplined person with most things in my life, but with, with investing, a more disciplined approach is probably the smarter way to go, um, especially if, uh, uh, again, you're not expecting to lose the money outright. we... My husband Justin went to Dogecoin for fun and got a bunch of Dogecoin, and of course we, yeah, it was just such a joke. And you're right, it's that one also kind of hurts, but also it's a good reminder. We never know, you know, we cannot predict 
predict the way capital markets perform and we cannot predict the way uh, crypto think, performs for the most I think part. you especially can't predict crypto, you know, when we were talking about the halving and things like yeah. that. Most of this space is not driven uh, off of rational things. It's, 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 you know, much more driven off of things like Wall Street bets than, than uh, the rational decisions in the short term. Um, uh, but there are some some responsible ways to participate. I I think Mark had something to say, and I, I cut him off. <laughs> Too many war stories. Um, you want to talk, Sid? I don't know how much time you have left. You want to talk a little bit about some of the things we're looking at, looking for as investors? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to actually pivot to that. Um, I'm not sure how much time we've got, but um, I really want to hear you know, where you're focusing your time and attention and why, um, so that, you know, listeners can get a, a sense for, oh, this matters, and maybe I, I could look into this and learn some more. Maybe you can start, Mark. Uh, well, again, since we focus on B2B, you know, really behind the scenes software, it doesn't really open up to individual investors, but, you know, we're looking for companies that are providing solutions and services to companies that are providing solutions and services to us as individuals. So for example, um, we're about to announce an investment in a, in a, in a, a, a company that provides um, accounts payable and accounts receivable and payments um, and tax um, calibration for businesses. So, for example, not not uh, blockchain. I mean, um, uh, Coin Tracker uh, or Bit, Bitwise, for example, that help you with your taxes personally. Imagine all the accounting firms out there right now who are just getting dumped. That their customers are dumping stuff on them and said, hey, by the way, I, I had my Coinbase account was pretty active this year, my, my Robinhood account, um, and, and they don't have the solutions themselves, these accounting firms, to actually manage the information that's coming in, how to, how to account for it. So we've, we're investing in a company that's, that's uh, providing that solution for accountants, uh, banks, it's others, you know, the B2B side of it. Um, and so we're, we're really excited about that. Uh, there's been huge influx. As a matter of fact, we had so much demand on an NFT taxing platform um, that we're taking deposits uh, to get back to them. I know it sounds kind of silly, but, you know, we, we can't, you know, we're saying we'll, we'll take a deposit to get back to you in terms of how we're going to, you know, the solution uh, will work for you. So we're looking for that behind the scenes type stuff that help uh, the is going to be part of the proactive regulation of the industry, for example, right? The, the good part of what's gonna be the proactive regulation of the industry. As it becomes more regulated and, and, and you can, you can um, feel comfortable being in it from a regulatory and a legal standpoint, it's only gonna grow more. And so that's one area that we're focused on, for example. Awesome, thank you, Mark. Uh, Nicola, I'd love to hear from you, um, especially with you know, where you're located, um, what kind of um, opportunities you're looking at there, but also globally? Uh, you're on mute. You're mute. Here we go. There. Sorry. Yeah, I think it depends which pocket I use. If it's an angel investment, if it's my partners, if it's it's an official fund investment. I do enjoy, uh, as I mentioned, and I think everybody else early, and what we have mostly done over the, like since the beginning of this year until now has been in the DeFi space and in the tooling space, which I find incredibly interesting personally, but also luckily I overlap with my partners there because, you know, all this interoperability that we're seeing, all those bridges, you know, all those things that are happening, you need a lot of tooling for that. You know, the tools right now are still incredibly underdeveloped on the different platforms. I mean, Ethereum is not the answer to everything. So tooling has been incredibly interesting. Uh, I can only recommend this for other people. Um, security, so security in the blockchain space, also highly interesting. Uh, I have a project right now where Andreas Antonopoulos is advising and uh, like even he's blown away, which which doesn't really happen often if you know if you know the guy, you know, like any kind of reaction from him is super interesting, but so, so security in general is something that's game, like earn to play, gamification, I like, but I don't see yet the games that I would play rather than, you know, like Axie was quite an interesting approach, um, uh, Lunar now also, but 
I still am looking for like the proper gaming in a real Unreal Engine where you have MMORPG like Diablo or something like this, where you can identify as the player where you can really go towards the masses. Um, and I have been very interested mostly in um, DeFi when it comes to the staking and liquidity provisions, vaults, different LTVs and borrowing and lending and really seeing how the different products react on the different infrastructures. Because if you build something on Polygon and you launch it on Near or another team launches it on Near, it's, it's very good to see how how different each ecosystem actually reacts and interacts with the projects. So those were the things that I look most at. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Nicola. Some pretty uh, um, heavy duty areas you're, you're looking at there. Um, just a, a clarification on on security. Are you looking at um, token security, or is it kind of security as a whole for the system? SecTech. So, so security, like like security per se. Um, when it comes to like with European funds, we have to because there are limitations to what we can invest in. So, security or security-like tokens are something that we're comfortable with, but in general, I tend to stay away because I've seen multiple approaches, not that convinced yet. And I would like to give it a little bit more time before like they're, you're able to trade them properly. You're able to use them. People understand the whole spectrum of how a security token should be used and can be used. So uh, I would go with sec tech in this case. So you know, like hardcore down the rabbit hole. Awesome, thank you. Ben, what are, what are you looking at? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have noticed that in the past um, couple of days, Facebook has rebranded themselves as Meta. So uh, they've finally thrust this term into like uh, the hearts and minds of a lot of people, probably strong opinions one way or another. Um, but I think there's kind of two alternate futures, one which, well, there's many, obviously, but within this uh, of, of a, a walled garden metaverse where you log into metaverse, uh, Facebook and everything is kind of Facebook IP or, or controlled by Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, maybe they, they allow NFTs or whatever, but still the values accruing to the Facebook shareholders, which is not the individual users. And then there's the more open version of like the more decentralized, unstoppable, censorship resistant, all the buzzwords that blockchain offers, um, metaverse. So I subscribe more to the latter or, or hope to. So uh, a lot of the um, tools or projects kind of building around that vision. So that's that's quite broad, but uh, by definition. So it would be things around that. Awesome. Could you give a few examples just for the benefit of us kind of coming new to this? Yeah, sure. So, I, I mean, I'll speak broadly just so I'm not name dropping different uh, projects, but uh, in in meta version of like uh, in, in the more open bit metaverse, everything that you interact with, the world you live, work and play would be represented as an NFT. So you can do things like bundle these and take out a loan against them because they have a financial value you can keep them for sale in real time across different platforms you can rent them in a trustless way you can bundle them in new unique ways so all of these new abilities that like digitization allows and is like thrusting financialization into all of these aspects um are, are things that i'm very bullish with i know those are like very vague um by 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 design so helpful. Thank you. Well, let me real quick just download you guys. So, uh, um, first of all, Capital invests in a uh, uh, variety of blockchain uh, projects. We uh, we invest from in, in everything from tokens to equity, from early to mature stage. So, uh, um, if you guys, if if there is a great project, we love to support, and uh, we are we're known for. Um, for contributing a lot to the growth and development of this industry. And so, um, thank you. Awesome. Well, we're actually almost at time. So before I ask your final question, Alon, I just want to say thank you to you guys for joining this panel. 
um, and I've learned a lot for sure. And um, I'm looking forward to learning even more as uh, as the conference goes on. We're going to Alon, Alon, the last question is for you. What your prediction for five years from now? What are we seeing? Well, I think I think like Ben alluded to earlier, um, uh, you know, not just I, I think it was Ben. Uh, is it just because we're early doesn't mean that every deal is a good deal, right? Um, I think we're absolutely in these micro bubbles across the uh, across our space, and even when people always point at the dot com bubble and say that we're there with Bitcoin or say that we're there with Ethereum or or whatever, um, the dot-com bubble peaked, I think at something like $10 trillion and we're not even there yet here. Um, and what I will say though, is we are in a bubble in all of these little things, right? I don't know if my board ape is supposed to be worth as much as it is. It probably is not. It's kind of insane how quickly that happened, right? So, but I believe in it. I believe in NFTs way long-term for collectibles, for financial products, for all these different things as well, not just you know art and collectibles. So what I will say is that, you know, there's probably going to be some cycles and things along the way I can't predict, but will this space, you know, I don't know about five years, but 10 years from now be orders of magnitude larger than it is today? 1000%. So I'm holding my Bitcoin and my ETH and uh, some of these NFTs forever and we'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alon. Thank you, Irina. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, Mark. This has been awesome. And uh, looking forward to even more interactions with you guys. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye Thanks, guys. everyone.